How many want to get back into the Word this morning? How many ready to get back into Galatians? We are, we are in the end of Galatians. We are now in the final chapter. We're in the final sermon on Galatians. So let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank You for Your Word this morning. Lord, we thank You that You can put it deep into our hearts. Lord, I pray that everything that's said here this morning would not be my words, but Yours. Lord, not my thoughts, but Yours. Lord, let Your Holy Spirit move upon this message to reach into the hearts of those who are here and those who are watching online. Lord, I pray that as they hear the Word, they would experience freedom in their souls. Lord, we thank You and praise You for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, a lot of times I will say this is the last message of the sermon series, and then the Lord will give me something more. And so I'm going to say tentatively that this is the last message in Galatians. Uh, the last eight messages, so this is message number nine, the last eight messages have been taken, kind of spread out since February. We've had a lot of things going on in between there. But I hope that in going through this series, you have gotten a true picture of what it means to no longer live under the law, but to live under grace. How many know we want to live under grace? Amen. To live according to grace, to no longer live in bondage, but to live in freedom. Jenny's, uh, Jenny's on vacation today, so she's not here. Austin Fielden, give Austin a hand. He did a great job. So Jenny's not here, but how many know it was a blessing to hear last week how the Lord freed her from addiction and brought her into grace-filled righteousness. Amen. Amen. Even as we go through this last chapter together, I hope that you are thinking in your lives what it means to live a grace-filled life. What does it mean to live a grace-filled life? And in what ways do we need to exemplify that more? So if you how many if you're a parent this morning, raise your hand. Right? There's lots of parents here this morning. I was listening to a pastor this last week, and he was talking about the difference between parenting based in legalism and parenting based on grace. How many know that parenting based in legalism can really push some kids away? If it's parenting based in legalism, you can, I mean, not just talking about God's laws, but now taking your laws and, and equating your laws with God's laws. That's wrong. That's, that's legalism. Parenting based on legalism can push out some really resentful kids. I know firsthand, I have eight brothers and sisters in my life. And eight brothers and sisters that, that you know, some are with, are with the Lord and some are, are, are on that path, hopefully towards the Lord. And, and I've seen what happens when there's parenting based on legalism. And I've seen what happens when there's parenting based on grace. How many know that too much grace gives us entitled little brats that turn into entitled little adults, right? How many know too much grace is a problem too? We don't want to be legalistic and we don't want to have too much grace. We want there to be a balance because rules and boundaries are necessary for healthy children, amen? Rules and boundaries are necessary. You see that kid at Walmart just screaming, just, just red face screaming and the mother's just like, well, you know, he's an individual, I don't want to smack the kid. I want to smack the parent. Right? I mean, I kind of want to smack the kid too, let's be honest. <laughs> Rules and boundaries are both necessary and healthy for children, but it needs to be done with 
grace and balance. Amen? Legalism or the law versus grace doesn't just apply to parenting. Many times, it's what defines our relationship with God. I want to just like talk this morning, if that's okay. I'm going to preach a little bit, but I just want to kind of talk to you about the difference between law and grace. And many times, what defines our relationship with God is how we view the people that he has called us to love. Too many people find their righteousness in the law and in rules that God hasn't even required. Rules that God hasn't even required, but somehow we hear about these rules and we, we listen to these rules and we go, wow, that must be like the Lord, right? But it's not. It's funny, uh, last week we talked about how, you know, not mowing the lawn on a Sunday, right? We talked about that. It's kind of a funny story. And we talked, you know, like how people dress on Sunday morning to come to church. How people dress on Sunday morning. Listen, if you were coming to church in the New Testament, you were likely wearing sackcloth and sandals, right? How many, how many know that to be true, right? And so how many, did anybody wear sackcloth and sandals this morning? Mikey, nothing, no, close, not, not, not there, but getting there. It's sandals, right? It was funny. We were at this, we were at the convention in San Diego and uh, I noticed, myself included, most every, I mean, it was San Diego, it was 72 degrees, it was nice out. Even in the church, everybody was wearing shorts. All, everybody was wearing shorts. And I remember uh, John Sprecher, who's one of the uh, older guys within the FCA, he stood up and he goes, man, I remember a time where, like, it was all suits and, and ties and, and all that stuff, right? It's because it's a lot of times it's how they determined if you were righteous or not. Oh, he's wearing a three-piece suit, so he must be really righteous. And sometimes they're wearing a three-piece suit, but they have a heart of a snake. And sometimes they're dressed in sackcloth and sandals, and they have a heart that's tender towards the Lord. And so you go, well, which is better, looking well or being well? The difference between legalism and grace it's amazing uh, if you look at the church, sometimes that we have rules and regulations that just simply aren't part of any direction in the Bible. You can't eat this, you can't drink that, you can't do that, you can't say that. How many know sometimes that can put the shackles on people? That can put handcuffs on people. And listen, the truth is there are some black and white, hard and fast directives in the Bible. There's things that are black and white that we need to add. There are absolutes. I mean, know that to be true this morning. There are absolutes. And, and we should be, the, uh, the, as a church, be an example of the truth that is given to us. But can we please stop trying to be holier than God? Please stop trying to be holier than God. There are two big problem mentalities that Christians can fall into. One side of the aisle is those who want to be holier than God. Well, no, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't drink this. You shouldn't say that. Well, that's not what the Bible says, but that's what the Lord has revealed to me. And so then they equate their word with the word of God. How many know that's an extreme? We want to obey the Lord, but some people try to be holier than God. If you're trying to be holier than God, relax. Relax. Get back to the Bible. 
Get back to learning the heart of God and loving people. That's right, Grace. That's one side of the aisle. How many know there's another side of the aisle too? The other side of the aisle is this. Those who want to throw out every direction from God and call it grace. They want to throw out every direction. Well, I can do what I want and be what I want and say what I want and do anything I want because grace, hallelujah. How many know that to be true? There's what's called the hyper-grace movement. All these people that just, man, grace-filled, 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 and they have no direction and no law, and, and it's just chaos in their lives. Both of these extremes will throw you out of balance with God and throw you out of balance with the Word of God. When we look at Galatians, and I would say clearly, when we look at Scripture as a whole, we are called to live our lives in the balance and the boundaries of Scripture. We are called to live our lives in the balance and the boundaries of Scripture. What does that mean? It means that we live according to the Word. Amen? That we live according to the Word. You say, well, Pastor David, doesn't the Word say that we shouldn't do some things? Absolutely. Why does it say that? Because the Lord loves you. And the Lord wants to stop you from getting into that which is destructive to you. If you're a parent, you understand this. Right? You don't let your kid run around and play in traffic. Do you? I mean, we joke around sometimes. Hey, go play in traffic, right? But you don't let your kid do that. Why? Because they would get hurt. So you have boundaries. You can only go this far. No, you're eight years old. You can't drive the tractor. What are you talking about? Why? How many eight years old drove a tractor? I don't know. Put your hands down. I don't want to hear that. No, you're five years old. Eh, whatever it's going to be. We put boundaries on our kids to help them, right? They don't always understand it. No, you can't have 10 donuts before you go to bed. Alex is like, what? <laughs> Why? We put boundaries because it's healthy. Because they need, because people need boundaries. Otherwise, you get entitled little brats. I want to start this morning. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, we, we, start, we ended here last week. I want to start here this week as we get into the last chapter of Galatians. And it says this. Brothers, say brothers. And I would say sisters. I would say Christians, right? If anyone is caught in any transgression, say transgression. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Say gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let me say that again. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So last week we ended with a scripture, and I just lost my entire spot here, so i got to get back to it. I mean, no technology is both a blessing and a curse at times. We are called to balance. We are called to grace. Not only grace that's given to us, but the grace that we give to others. Amen? How do we know we want to respond to people with grace? How do we know when we respond with law and legalism, many times they just shut their ears. Many times they just shut their ears. They don't want to hear it. But when we respond, truth in love. Don't, don't compromise truth. Amen? 
We don't want to compromise truth, but we want to speak truth in love. We are called to give grace, not only the grace we are given, but we are called to, to give it to others. So it says this, brothers, or, and I would say sisters, Christians, if anyone is caught in any transgression, transgression, okay, first of all, that means that there is such a thing as transgression, Doug. There is transgression. You say, what's, what's transgression? Transgression means a few things. It means sin. It means offense. It means disobedience. It means crime. It means misbehavior. It means missing the mark. Transgression. So the fact that Paul here is writing and through the Holy Spirit says, if anyone is caught in any act of transgression, that means it's not just a free-for-all. That means that we can't just do anything we want, whenever we want, however we want. It means that there are some things that are transgressions. In order to, to, to have misbehavior, we have to understand what behavior is, right? If, how many know, in order, you can't just say, well, you misbehaved. Well, how do you know? Well, because there's behavior. And if they don't do what the behavior is, then they're in misbehavior. Believe it or not, when I was a kid, I misbehaved. I know, it's shocking. What does that mean? It means I didn't behave. How many know it's not rocket science, right? This is pretty simple stuff, right? But it seems that even the simplest of concepts is escaping the grasp of the current generation. The simplest of concepts... To not behave means to not be within the boundaries or the rules that have been put in place. That means you're misbehaving. Now, I, I got a question here. I want to open it up a little bit. How many ever misbehaved when they were young? Anybody? Braxton, no? Oh, yeah. How many, how many misbehave now? How many misbehaved this morning? Mm. Uh oh, Carol. <laughs> does anybody, does anybody have, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just a quick, quick story. Does anybody have a story? Not for not not about your misbehavior because I know you wouldn't misbehave. Of course not. But did Mike ever misbehave? What What are some things he did? <laughs> she said, "Where do we start?" He drove way too fast on his four-wheeler. Yeah. He drove way too fast. Did you get in any trouble with that, Mike? Yeah. He hit a few trees? Wow, okay. What about Doug? Did Doug do anything? Doug, you got to write some stories down for me. Anybody misbehave? I was trying to think about Eli misbehaving. He's, he never, never we have a story of when they misbehaved? Bobby. So for those who didn't hear it on YouTube, Bobby and Becky talked all the time 
when Gary got mad enough to come into the room, Becky pretended to be asleep and Bobby kept talking. Misbehavior, Bobby. So I was interested in, and uh, I wanted, you know, Jonathan is in uh, Canby today. He's doing some other things there. But I asked him, I said, hey, did you ever misbehave? I said, actually, I, no, that's, what, that's not what it was. I remembered a story he told me about misbehaving. And I said, man, I want to share that. I want you to share this story. I go, you have two options, Jonathan. Either you can share it or I can share it. He goes, man, either way it's going to be shared. I said, yeah. When Jonathan was small, when he was little, he used to steal Legos all the time. He told me he would, he would fill his pockets with Legos. And like he'd go to he, Judy Hansen. How many know Judy Hansen, right? Uh, they'd go, I think she did daycare or something like that, right? He would go to Judy Hansen's house with pockets filled with other people's Legos. So he had this habit of stealing things when he was younger. One day, he saw a Game Boy, you know, Nintendo Game Boy, and he, was, and he stole it. He said he would put it in the back of his parents' Astro van, and they would come to church real early, and he'd play that little thing on the, on the Game Boy, and, and then he'd, he'd, uh, he'd hide it under some stuff in the back seat. Well, one day, Suzanne was cleaning the van and found that Game Boy. And brought it to Jonathan and said, whose is this? And I can't remember if it was Avery's or Austin's, but it was Austin's. Jonathan stole Austin's Game Boy. <laughs> Years ago, right? Jonathan, Suzanne says, you got to give it back. So they go, I think, I think, according to the story, they went over to Tina's house, Tina Tim's house, and uh, with tears in his eyes, he's like... <laughs> Here's the Game Boy, right? Gave the Game Boy back, and here's what Tina did. Filled with grace, she brought him in and hugged him and just said, you little thief, I can't believe you. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. She said, uh, she filled with grace, she just hugged him and said, it's okay. It's okay. But man, isn't that crazy, Jonathan? Right? You don't think about that. It was kind of funny. Now, I'll tell you a story about me. Okay. When I was, one of the great memories of of me was going to my granny and Bapa's house. Now, my granny is my grandma. My Bapa, you say, what's a Bapa? My brother couldn't really pronounce things when he was younger, so he called Grandpa Bapa, and it stuck. All right, it's, it's weird, but it is what it is. So I'm at Granny's house. I'm at Bapa's house, and we had all sorts of fun there. I loved Granny's house. We stayed there uh, night during the night. And many, many, many Friday nights we spent at Granny's house. And when I was a kid, it was one of the things we loved to do. And I don't, know if, I don't know if grandmas do this now. I don't know if this is a thing now. But when I was a kid at my granny's house, uh, she would let us sit up on her recliner and pretend to do her hair. I don't know why that's a thing, but that's what we did. I don't know. She, she really loved it. So she would give us like a closed bottle, and she would give us a scissors with a guard on it. Like a, orange scissors with a guard on it, right? You might still have one of those at your house, right? And so we would sit there, and just for a few minutes, we would have fun pretending to do her hair. Now, uh, I can't be sure how old I was. I was probably close to nine years old or so. I'm sitting on the back of the chair. I have the bottle, and I'm kind of like pouring, pouring stuff in her hair, not for real. And I, I look at the scissors, and I said, Granny, I'm going to cut your hair. And she didn't believe me. Bapa just sat in his chair watching me. I remember looking at that orange scissors and thinking, boy, this could be really funny. 
So I took off the guard. And I, and I didn't take any from the back. I took it from the front. And I took some and I snipped it off. And I was holding it. And I remember, I remember dropping it in front of her face as it fell down to her lap. And let me tell you, I learned some new words that day. Uh, I did. I slowly, I, I had misbehaved. I had transgressed. And she did not respond with the spirit of gentleness, if you know what I'm saying, right? So, and I just remember her face getting shades of red I had never seen before. And Bapa just laughing in his chair. Laughing. I did not follow the boundaries in my life. How many have ever been there? I could tell you stories all day. I'm not going to. I got into trouble. To have no boundaries leads to chaos. To have no boundaries, disorder gives us giving ourselves over to the flesh, right? I remember what we talked about last week, the works of the flesh. When we give ourselves over to those things, when we, when we take away all boundaries in our life, it leads to chaos. Where there are no boundaries, there's confusion. So we preach grace and we preach love, but it's backed by truth. Now, many of today's headlines and current culture wars are being fought over the simple matter of truth. What is truth and what isn't it? There is an absolute truth. There are boundaries put in, in, into place for us for our protection. And out of God's love for us, and at times, right? The, how many know God's, those boundaries are God saying, don't go there, you're going to get hurt. Don't go there, you're going to get in trouble. Don't go there, you're, you're going to transgress. It's going to lead to you missing the mark. So there's boundaries put in place. And, and many times we fall into transgression when we choose to do it our way. I listened to the old Frank Sinatra song this last week. I did it my way. Great song. Poor, poor, poor plan for life. To means I did it my way means I give myself over to whatever desire I have. Whatever desire of the flesh I may have, you just give yourself over to it. And now I'm just, just living in chaos and confusion. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Life would get a lot less complicated if we would simply fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen? Throw off that which entangles us. It says this, the protector, the founder and protector of our, perfecter of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Christ died on a cross. For you, for me, for forgiveness of the sins that we commit, the, the trespasses that we commit. When we do mess up, I mean, you know, there's times we mess up, right? There's times we mess up. When we do mess up, it's up to the spiritual, or what the Bible would say is up to the mature. Two, in the spirit of gentleness, guide us back towards righteousness. 
That's why it's so important to have the young and the old. How many know it's important in the church that the leaders of the church, that the, that the older men of the church speak to and disciple the younger? That the older women in the church speak to and disciple the younger women in the church. Why? Because they, some women haven't been through marriage, but you have, and now, okay, here's what, here's what you can learn. There's some men who, who have been, been years and years of experience, and you say, here's what I've learned in my experience. Let, let me make sure that you don't go through the same things I went through. I'm so glad that there are, I have good spiritual mentors above me that when I have questions, when I have things going in my head, I can go, hey, can I talk to you about these things? How many know that we are called to bear each other's burdens? We are. What does that mean? That means if, if my brother or my sister is, is going through it, it means we, we walk alongside them. Why? Because Not just because we're a church family. Not because we come to CGA, right? Not just because we walk inside the doors of Calvary, but because we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because we are connected through faith in Jesus. I am called to help bear your burdens, but I want to make this very clear. And, and you should know, I can't live out your Christian walk for you. At some point, you have to make a decision whether or not you're going to follow Jesus. At some point, you have to make a decision on whether or not you're going to follow Scripture or you're going to go your own way. Galatians 6, 4-5 through 5 says this, But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. How many know the truth is you have to walk this life out and understand that you and only you are responsible for how you respond to God? Only you are responsible for how you respond to God. We tend to blame every, we, we like to become the victim. We tend to blame everyone and everything for the reasons of why we aren't close in our walk with the Lord. Well, you don't understand what these people did. You don't understand what this person did. You don't understand the situation I was in. You don't understand. And so we become the victims. We paint ourselves as the victims and, and now we can just have everybody see, feel sorry for us. I understand that some people have had some very, very hard experiences in life and, and maybe someone has really misrepresented to you what it means to be a true Christian. But I'm here today to share the words of Paul and the words of the Holy Spirit with you. You are responsible for your own spiritual walk. We will help you when you stumble. We will do so knowing that we are called to, to, to bear each other's burdens. We will, we will go alongside you as much as we can. But ultimately, you have to make the decision for Christ. When we get into verse 6, ah, man. Before we get into verse 6, don't even go there yet. Peter asked the Lord, Lord, how many times should I forgive them? Seven times? And the Lord said, no. Seventy times seven. 
Some people are doing the math right now. It doesn't matter. It's not the math that counts. It's not like, oh, once I get to 490 times, I don't have to forgive him anymore. No, the Lord is saying, you continually forgive. They caused offense to me. You continually forgive. You understand, this person is supposed to be my neighbor, my Christian, my friend. They, they offended me. They messed, they, they messed up. They're, they're, they're still going through it. That's all right. Come alongside them. Help bear their burdens. Because in doing so, we are showing the love of Christ. I don't want to get out of balance in any way. And I'm not going to preach a message that's out of balance in any way. But I believe in our Christian lives, a lot of times we could be more grace-filled. Not compromising truth. Not compromising the, the absolutes that God has called us to. But just in bearing each other's burdens. Let me help you go through this. Let me, let me help you get through this. Let me help you come out on the other side. We don't want to be based in legalism. We want to be based in grace. Amen. We want to be based in balance. Now, I'm going to move on. So let's, let's stick that there for a minute because then we get into an entirely different subject in Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to preface this by acknowledging that, according to Martin Luther, this is both awkward and important. It's a call to the church to take care of their pastor. This is one of those things that even as I was preparing this, I was like, oh boy. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward, but it's important. And let me share this with you. Verse 6, it says this. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that also he will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Verse 10 says, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Say faith. One of the things I want to make sure is very, very clear this morning is that this church, I think, for the most part, has been very, very good to, to the care of me and my family. Okay, I don't want there to be any mistake in that. Internally, I got to say, it's really very awkward for me to talk about this, but the context of the Bible is clear that as you bless the teacher or the pastor, then God will bless you. The context of that is very clear. And I've seen pastors both manipulate this message, and I've seen them, I mean, manipulate this passage, and, and I've seen others that avoid it entirely. And honestly, I would rather avoid it entirely, to be honest with you. Uh, but I also want to be faithful in teaching not just this generation, but how many know there's a generation behind you? There's a generation that's going to come up, and, and, and the truth is this. For as long as God would have me here, I am thankful for the blessings of this church. But someday, I won't be here any longer. Someday, I will not be the pastor here 
any longer. So I hope that will be many, many years from now. But at some point, another pastor is going to come into this church, will stand behind this pulpit and deliver the Word of God. And I want to urge you to teach your children and their children to hear the Word of the Lord and to give accordingly. Why? Because what we sow is what we reap. What we sow is what we reap. And this isn't, I know this isn't like a shout, hallelujah message. But the truth is that as you bless the pastor, then you are blessed. We're going to take a special offering right now. I'm just kidding. Ushers, please come on. <laughs> of course, how many know that this principle doesn't just apply to finances? This principle doesn't just apply to finances and church ministry. It's a principle that we see at work in our whole lives, that as we sow is what we reap. And, it's, and throughout Scripture, we see what you sow is what you reap. Paul has written this letter to the Galatians as an apostle of God. He has shared not just his time with them, but he shared his testimony. He shared his, the instruction of the Lord in regards to following the law and what it means to, to live in grace. How many know we want to live in grace? So now we come to the close of this letter, and with it comes a final warning. Listen to the words in chapter 6, verse 11. It says this. I like this. Paul, Paul is kind of emphasizing what he's saying here. He says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. Now, he comes back to this issue that we've, we've kind of discussed throughout Galatians about those who, wanted, uh, who believed righteousness was based on circumcision and the law. He says this, uh, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So, what does all that mean? Paul emphasizes his words with his handwriting. He says, hey, I'm writing to you with large letters. Hear what I'm saying clearly is what he's saying. It's large letters he, convey, he writes he, to convey the importance of what he's saying. The law, the circumcision, has nothing to do with righteousness. Has nothing to do with righteousness. Those who try to force you into it are really only out for their own boasting. Paul says this in verse 14. I love this. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the, the Israel of God. How many know we have a reason to boast this morning? Amen. How many know we have a reason to boast this morning? It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with what we've done. It has nothing to do with any accomplishments we have. Paul says, I have no reason to boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. How many know we have a reason to boast this morning? By it, the world is crucified to me, and I am crucified to the world. What that means is that in Christ, the world, the flesh is dead to me, and I should be dead to it. The world is dead to me, and I should be dead to it. I am now a new creation in Jesus. 
How many are glad to be a new creation in Jesus this morning? If you'll stand with me this morning. It says this, for those who walk in this rule, may peace and mercy be upon them. Verse 17 is interesting, and it speaks to Paul's suffering as a believer. Because being a part of a follower of Jesus means taking part in the suffering of Jesus. If you've heard the lie that as a Christian you'll never suffer, don't believe it. We are called to suffering. The Bible says that Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But fear not. Amen. Jesus has overcome the world. Paul says this. It's very interesting. It speaks to his suffering as a believer. Verse 17 says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my, on my body the marks of Jesus. Now, there's no indication at all that these, these were like the same, very same marks that Jesus had. But it's clear that Paul has some scars from his journey. Paul has some scars of the persecution that he endured on his faith journey. In your faith journey, you may have scars. They may not be physical scars, but you will have scars. People who hurt you, people who go against you, people who talk about you, people who go... Listen, that's why we stand and boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because in this world, we will have suffering. We will have trouble. But fear not. Jesus has overcome the world. We see uh, Paul end the letter of Galatians. It's the final verse of Galatians, and he ends it in this really beautiful way. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. And I would say, sisters, Christians, amen. It's a pretty brutal letter. If we look at, at chapter 1 from the beginning all the way through now, it's a pretty brutal letter. It's not sunshine and roses, right, Bobby? It's, it's some pretty brutal stuff. And I like what one commentary said in regards to this. After the storm and the stress and the intensity of the letter comes a piece of the benediction. Paul has argued and rebuked and cajoled, but his last word is grace. For him, the only word that really matters. It's clear that Paul had great love for the Galatian church. It's why he spoke with such passion and intensity. He longed for them to understand the truth of grace and the freedom that is only found in Jesus. Paul didn't pull punches. I love that about Paul. He didn't pull any punches, right? He always spoke truth to nonsense, but he leaves them with a warning and a blessing. Would you close your eyes this morning? You may be here this morning, and I, I know most everyone here, there's some visitors, and, and that's okay. But you might be here this morning and say, Pastor David, I have not accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I need to welcome him into my heart. I need to make him, make him Lord of my life. I cannot boast in myself, but I can only boast in the cross of Jesus. Say, Pastor David, I need this Jesus you've been talking about. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand?
one of the things I love about the church is that it is a hospital and a refuge for the broken. And that we can give the healing medicine of Jesus this morning. So Lord, I pray over the hands. Lord, I pray that you touch them. I know the hands that went up, and I I know that they, they struggle in their journey, but Lord, touch them, draw them near to you, give them strength and courage in their journey with you. Lord, for those who are here, those who are watching online, continue to press into them, Lord. Holy Spirit, continue to speak to them, continue to draw them near to you. Lord, give them strength. Let us boast, not in our own strength, but the strength that comes from Jesus. Let us boast only in the cross. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. Lord, I pray that you would give them rest in Jesus' name. Lord, while we're here, I pray over the farmers. I pray over the, the, the community. Lord, that things would be done in order. Uh, Lord, that, that there would be as little hiccups as possible. That it would be a blessing for them. Lord, we ask that you bless those who are here. Give them peace this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. That is the end of Galatians. Next week, we're going to have something special for you.